June 2nd, 2007, at approximately 1 a.m., Christian Pacheco reported his girlfriend, Lily Aramburo, missing to the Miami-Dade police. He said he last saw Lily around 2 a.m. on June 1st, sitting in the apartment, playing with two bungee cords. Christian went to sleep and when he woke up, she was no longer there. Her shoes, phone, and purse were left behind, but the bungee cords were still missing. Lily hasn't been seen or heard from since. The police believe they were lied to about what happened on June 1st, and they suspect foul play is involved. It's been 16 years since Lily went missing, and detectives are still searching for answers. Hey everyone, welcome back to Detective Perspective. My name is Derek Lavasser. I'm a licensed private investigator and former police detective. Each week I'll be covering an unsolved case in story format. I'll then give you my perspective on the investigation and provide contact information for the individuals or organizations connected to the case so that if you have any tips, you can contact them directly and maybe you can help solve a case. Speaking of cases, if you're someone who's interested in true crime, specifically unsolved cases, and you would like to hear my opinion on those investigations, please consider subscribing, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you use. And I know I give that spiel every week where I, you know, ask you to subscribe and, and share the videos, but I think the reason why I do that will be very apparent uh, in this week's episode. Uh, and I'm going to get to that in a second. But first off, our victim in this case, Lily, one of the things that made me gravitate towards this case was the fact that she was only a year older than me. And she went down a little bit of a different path and didn't always make the right choices. But I, I do see myself in her in, in, in a little bit of a way because we grew up around the same times and we were both approached with similar situations as far as whether we went down the wrong path or the right path based on the friends we chose to hang around with. And I think about myself a lot because uh, I grew up with a tough childhood. I think a lot of us did. I don't think this is a story that many of you haven't heard before. But I had some choices when I was a kid, and I could have chose to go uh, the wrong way or the right way. And fortunately, uh, even though I didn't always make the right choice, I was on a, a bad path for a while. I was able to straighten myself out, and luckily I have a great life now because of the choices that I made. Uh, Lily chose some wrong paths, and and it probably contributed in, in a small way to, to why we're covering her case today. She definitely didn't pick the best friends. Uh, they were bad influences on her. As we get into the case today, you will see how this all ties together. And as I said, uh, as far as I was going to get back to it, you know, I ask you guys to share these cases. With this particular case and why I decided to cover it is because I think it's solvable. Even right now, as I sit here, you're going to see there's a lot of stuff here that points to a particular person. And I feel like with the power of the true crime community and covering cases like this that are a little bit more obscure, we can give it a platform. We can share this story and get it covered by different news outlets maybe. And, and, and maybe just this show alone will get to people in power in the areas where these cases come, come from and they can put pressure on 
law enforcement or political figures, whatever it may be, to get this case moving again. Because I do think as we're sitting here talking about it, that you know, there's more that can be done. The suspect is still alive, and it's no secret that the police uh, feel he's involved. So we're going to talk about what they might be able to do and, and where I think um, we can go today. All right, with that all out of the way, let's dive into the case. Lucelli Aramboro, who went by Lily, was born on November 16, 1983. She was raised by her mom, also named Lucelli, in Miami, Florida. As a child, Lily was known for being a sweet and caring girl who would stand up for others. In high school, Lily started hanging out with a group of friends who liked to stay out all night, party, and smoke weed. Needless to say, Lily's mom did not approve of these friends. She tried her best to steer Lily in the right direction, but it was a difficult task for a single parent. When Lily was 16 years old, she dropped out of school and began experimenting with harder drugs like ecstasy and ketamine. She quit living at home, choosing to stay with friends, on park benches, and cars, wherever she could crash. Lily kept in touch with her mom, but she didn't go home unless she wanted to sober up. Lucelli was heartbroken over her daughter's situation, and she worried constantly about her safety. In 2003, Lily started dating a man named David, and they quickly moved in together. David was dependent on heroin, and it wasn't long before Lily was too. When Lucelli found out that her daughter was using heroin, she took her to a rehabilitation center. Lily stayed there for a week before she escaped, returned to her boyfriend, and went back to using heroin. Within the next year, Lily and David became dependent on crack cocaine as well. In January of 2006, 22-year-old Lily found out that she was pregnant with David's child. Although the news was unexpected, Lily was very excited to be a mother. The pregnancy motivated her to turn things around. She got sober and obtained her GED. In September, Lily welcomed a son, who she named Paulden. Lily had always been known for her caring nature, so it was no surprise to anyone when she slipped easily into her role of motherhood. Her close friend Janet later told Investigation Discoveries Disappeared that Lily was, quote, nurturing and very loving with her son. She was always holding him, always carrying him, and always hugging him. Lily was thriving, and her loved ones couldn't be more excited for her. A few months after Paulden's birth, Lily broke up with David. She then started spending a lot of time with her friend Kelly and Kelly's ex-boyfriend, Christian Pacheco, a former Marine turned businessman. Lily and Christian began dating, and things turned serious almost immediately. By January 2007, Christian and Lily were engaged in living together with Paulden in a Miami apartment. At first, Lucelli was happy for Lily. She thought things were going well, and that Christian was good for Lily and Paulden. But pretty quickly, Lucelli noticed something was off with Lily. She wasn't happy, but she wouldn't tell her mom what was going on. Lucelli eventually found out that Lily and Christian were using heroin and crack cocaine, sometimes for days on end. The drug use led to a lot of verbal and physical fights. Lily's friend Kelly later told the Miami New Times that when the couple got high, Lily would become agitated and would poke Christian's buttons. Christian didn't know how to control his temper, and he would, quote, blow up. Kelly described one of their heated arguments where Lily made a comment about cheating on Christian, and he lunged at Lily and shook her. Kelly had to pull Christian off of Lily to get him to stop. Now, it's important to note that Christian has publicly denied this incident and claimed it was actually a fight between Kelly and Lily, not him and Lily. The Miami New Times reported that the police were called to break up fights between Lily and Christian on more than one occasion. During one call on March 23, 2007, 
Police responded to the apartment for a dispute and found that the place was, quote, in disarray. There was broken glass, rotten food, garbage, and dead bugs throughout the home. At that point, officers became concerned for the safety of Paulden, who was only six months old. They felt that Lily and Christian were, quote, in no condition to currently care for him. The officers contacted the Department of Children and Families. They took Paulden into custody and placed him in a foster home until Lily completed a rehabilitation program. In April, Lily was accepted into a three-month program. While in treatment, she experienced paranoia and hallucinations and was subsequently diagnosed with depression, bipolar disorder, and schizophrenia. At first, things seemed to be going well for Lily in the program, but then on May 29th, she failed the drug test and was kicked out. Christian picked her up and took her back to the apartment. That same day, Lucelli was granted custody of Paulden. Because Lily hadn't completed the rehabilitation program, she was not allowed to see Paulden, which broke her heart. On May 31st, Lily spoke to a neighbor about how she was feeling really down on herself. She complained that everyone in Christian's apartment was smoking crack, and she blamed him for making her smoke too. Following this conversation, the neighbor never saw Lily again. At 1 a.m. on June 2nd, Christian went to the police and reported 23-year-old Lily missing. He explained that the last time he saw her was almost 24 hours earlier at their apartment located in the 7600 block of Southwest 82nd Street in Miami. Christian told the police that Lily had a history of schizophrenia and suicide attempts, and she wasn't on her antidepressants when she disappeared. He described one suicide attempt which allegedly occurred a few weeks before she disappeared. Christian said Lily got really drunk and tried to hang herself in his closet. He found her, broke the pole down, and carried her to the bed. She was, quote, frantic and crying, but he was able to calm her down, and they went to sleep. Christian told police that the last time he saw Lily was around 2 a.m. on June 1st. At that time, she was sitting at the desk playing with two bungee cords. She was wearing a long white nightgown and nothing else. Christian said he went to bed, and when he woke up, Lily was gone. He noticed that she left behind her shoes, phone, and purse. However, he couldn't find the two bungee cords. He thought that she maybe left the apartment, but he didn't know where she could have gone as she didn't have a car and she got around using public transportation. He said he looked around, but he couldn't find her. A bolo alert was sent out and Lily's missing persons case was assigned to Detective Aaron Mancha with the Domestic Crimes Bureau. Now, unfortunately, he was on vacation and wouldn't be back until June 18th. This meant that more than two weeks passed before anyone investigated Lily's disappearance. Right after reporting Lily missing, Christian called Lucelli to relay the news. Lucelli later told Investigation Discovery that Christian claimed Lily left the apartment after an argument and never returned. Lucelli figured that Lily went to someone else's house to cool off and she'd call home soon to say she was okay. But that never happened. Days went by without any word from Lily, so Lucelli and Lily's friend Janet went to Christian's apartment to ask him about the night Lily disappeared. Christian told them that during the day, he and Lily bought crack from a drug house in Coconut Grove. Then they went back to their apartment and smoked with their two friends, EJ and Kelly. Christian said that around 2 a.m., Kelly thought it was too noisy in the living room, so she went to the bedroom to lay down. Lily became upset and started accusing him of wanting to be with Kelly and not her. Christian assured her there was nothing going on between him and Kelly, and he said he'd go back and ask her to leave the bed. Christian then entered the bedroom and asked Kelly to get up from the bed, she agreed to do so and they came back to the living room, but when they did, Lily wasn't there. Christian assumed that she had gone out to pick flowers, something she would often do when she was upset. He went to sleep and when he woke up around 10 a.m., 
Lily still hadn't returned. He noticed that she'd left her shoes, phone, and purse behind, but she took the two bungee cords with her. Lucelli and Janet knew something was wrong. Lily would never leave her mom and son like that. They drove all over Miami looking for Lily, but there was no sign of her anywhere. They also reached out to Kelly and EJ to ask what happened the night Lily disappeared. According to Janet's blog, Justice in Miami, Kelly said Lily had bruises on her face and body, which Lily claimed were caused by Christian. Now, interesting enough, EJ told Lucelli and Janet that he'd been sitting in the living room at the time when Christian said Lily went missing. He never saw her wearing a nightgown, and he didn't see her take any bungee cords. Lucelli and Janet continued searching for Lily around Miami. They also put up flyers near homeless shelters and other areas they thought she could be. On June 18th, Detective Aaron Mancher returned from his vacation and started investigating Lily's disappearance. Now, if you're someone who's listening on audio, I put uh, investigating in quotations. Yeah, you'll understand why in a little bit. Canines were brought in to search around Lily and Christian's apartment complex, but nothing was found. And that's about all that happened. Mancha did not search the inside of Christian and Lily's apartment or interview any of the people who were in the apartment on June 1st. Kelly later told the media that she tried to call Mancha multiple times, but he never returned her calls. Janet and Lucelli had similar luck getting a hold of Mancha. He never answered their calls or responded back. Now, according to Janet, he further refused to work with the Crime Stoppers, publish any sort of press release, hold a press conference, speak to the media, or let any search and rescue teams come in to help. Mancha also sent inaccurate information about Lily to the Florida Department of Law Enforcement's missing person website. He misspelled her name and said she was 5 feet 11 inches tall, when in fact she was actually 4 feet 11 inches tall. Okay, so I guess I have to weigh in here, right? This is one of those cases, and I had kind of alluded to it a little earlier that, you know, this is a case that could be solvable. Well, here's your first instance of that where you have a detective, and I've seen this before. I don't know Mancha personally. If he walked by me right now, I wouldn't recognize him. Um, but you have what appears at least to be a guy who's in a position that he really doesn't want to be in, and he's doing the bare minimum, if that, right? And he's coming back. Obviously, it's a probably a busy department. He's got a hundred different cases on his desk. He's just got off vacation. And he, the last thing he wants to do is work. And this is someone, and I've seen this person before where through attrition, they get promoted up the ranks. And now they're in an actual job where they can affect people's lives by their incompetence or their laziness. And that's what you have here. You have a guy who didn't want to be a part of this investigation did the bare minimum so he could write it down in a report just to say he did something, but he had no intentions on really trying to solve this case. I would even go as far as saying most likely Mancha opened the folder on Lily, saw that she had been using drugs in the past and had a, a history of mental illness and said, ah, eh, she's fine. More than likely she took off. She'll turn up eventually. Hey, send the canine out there just so it looks like we did something. I'm closing this one. So when the family members and friends say they never heard back from him, that's because he took the folder, filed it away, had the messages come in and said, nope, this one's closed in my eyes. I'm not looking at it any further. She'll be back and erase the messages. That's my, that's my best guess. Now, as you can imagine, Lucelli and Janet were not happy with Manch's handling of the case. He seemed like he didn't care about Lily or her disappearance at all. Janet described working with the Miami-Dade police as, quote, like hitting a brick wall. In addition to receiving little to no help from the police, 
the media was not covering Lily's disappearance either. Janet and Lucelli felt alone, but they kept searching for Lily and conducting their own investigation. In August, Christian contacted Lucelli and told her that two of his friends had just seen and spoken to Lily in downtown Miami. Lucelli and Janet immediately rushed to downtown Miami and searched for Lily, but they didn't find her. They later passed along the information to Mancha, who never followed up on anything. No surprise there. By the one-year anniversary, Janet and Lucelli were beyond frustrated with Mancha, the Miami-Dade Police Department, and the media, so they came up with other ways to help Lily's case. Janet started a blog and multiple social media pages, where she shared pictures of Lily and information about her case. This proved to be helpful, and Janet started receiving tips. One of the biggest tips was that within days of Lily's disappearance, Christian drove his Escalade to North Carolina and had the vehicle destroyed at a wrecking yard. Christian told people he'd gotten into a car wreck, but Janet was never able to find any evidence of this. She was only able to find evidence that the car had been destroyed. The blog and social media accounts helped gain the attention of Francisco Alvarado, a journalist from the Miami New Times. In September of 2008, Francisco's article was published. It was the first time a mainstream media outlet reported on Lily's disappearance. Two private investigators read the article and were surprised at the department's handling of the case. They contacted Janet and Lucelli and started investigating Lily's disappearance pro bono. They chose to first look into Christian's possible involvement. While the PIs were investigating Christian, the Miami Police Department were finally feeling the pressure and decided to start doing something. So they looked into Christian and his possible role in Lily's disappearance. Mancha did ask Christian to come into the station to take a polygraph, which he agreed to do. Following the polygraph, Janet, Lucelli, and the two private investigators were told Christian passed. He didn't show any signs of deception regarding questions about Lily. Because of the results, the PIs no longer considered Christian a suspect. One of them even told the Miami New Times that he didn't believe Christian had anything to do with Lily's disappearance. He said, quote, he was telling the truth when he said Lily left the apartment after they got into an argument. With Christian seemingly cleared, the private investigators started following other possible leads. They spoke with Kelly and asked her where Lily might have gone after leaving the apartment. She said she could only think of one place, the house Lily and Christian had visited the day she went missing. The PIs looked into the drug house and learned that one of the frequent guests had a conviction for second-degree murder. The investigators started thinking it was possible Lily left the apartment and either walked or hitchhiked to the drug house where she was met with foul play. The PIs passed the possible lead on to Mancha, but as far as we know, he never interviewed the convicted killer. It seems like Mancha was still not taking Lily's disappearance seriously. In an interview with the Miami Herald, he made up completely false information about Lily's disappearance. He claimed that Lily had been seen at a homeless shelter in February of 2008, which was not true. The Miami-Dade police later had to come out and tell the public that Mancha's statements were false. All right, so let's weigh in on this real quick. Now, I don't claim to know everything about law enforcement, but I've been, you know, conducting investigations for almost 20 years now, and I, I've never seen something like this happen. Yes, we have situations where law enforcement or public relation officers will say something that's uh, inaccurate and it's unintentional, but they'll quickly come out and revise their statements and maybe put out a press release saying that they wanted to correct some of the things they said to make sure that all the information out there is accurate. I've never seen a situation where an investigator will put something out and then the police department that he works for will come out and correct it on his behalf. Why wouldn't he just come out? Uh, it makes me think, and again, this is just an assumption on my part, 
that the the police department was clearly pissed off with Mancha. And I feel like this was the police department's way of letting Mancha know that they, they weren't happy with this quality of work. And yeah, they could have let him make a statement and correct it on his own, but uh, they wanted to prove a point here. And I don't know if Mancha got the message, but anyone who's worked in law enforcement would be able to read between the lines this, on this one. And, and uh, it was very clear when I read this that they were indirectly saying, yeah, we're not happy with Mancha. He's making no more statements. Now, in December of 2010, Lily's case was transferred to the Homicide Division, where seasoned detective Ray Holdley took over. Lucelli and Janet were overjoyed by this move. He changed their entire view of the police department and gave them hope for the first time in over three years. Now, this is something I'm glad to see, by the way. I'm sitting here and I'm dogging one detective, rightfully so. But here you go, same department, different division, different detective, completely different experience. And I think this speaks to a larger message here. And we see this a lot in other jobs as well, where you'll have a police officer or a detective go out there and do something, or you personally will have an interaction with a with an officer that's not as good as it should be. And it's it's easy for you to judge everyone who wears that same uniform. And the reality is, I'm living proof that that's not the case. I, I can't sit here and say that every officer or detective that I worked with was a good person. But I think I would like to think for the most part, if you're sitting here listening or, or watching this, you, you somewhat can tolerate me. And it just goes to show you that just because I work with these individuals, it doesn't mean we're all the same. And this is a, another example of that where you very short period of time, Janet and Lucelli have a completely different experience when it comes to a tragic and really traumatizing situation like losing a loved one. Detective Holdley started his investigation by going through all the case files. He later told Investigation Discovery that he had issues with the story Christian told when he reported Lily missing. He found it unusual that a young woman would walk out of her apartment at 2 a.m. in the morning without her shoes, phone, or purse. Holdley also found other information pointing toward Christian. When going through the files, he discovered that Christian had not passed his 2008 polygraph like the department had previously stated. Deception had been noted when Christian was asked, quote, do you know what happened to Lily? After this revelation, Holdley was suspicious of Christian, but he didn't want to interview him just yet. Instead, he focused on physically investigating the case as if it was fresh. Now, I love this, and I do this in every case that I work where I'm not the original investigator, whether it happened a year ago or 30 years ago. I say this on Crime Weekly a lot where sometimes investigators who come in after the fact will take the case file, read everything that had already been done, and start from that point. And I'm not saying it can't be solved, but most of the time, if they start from the point where the last investigators ended, they may come to, this, to similar results. The only way to really change the course of the investigation is start from the beginning and read the facts of the case yourself. Because if you're not influenced by what investigators had done in the past, maybe your mind will take you in a different direction. And, and if you're lucky, that'll be the right one. Too often, we have detectives who will come in and just retrace the steps of the investigators before them. And if you're doing that, more than likely you're going to find the same result. So with, with my investigations, what I like to do is, if anything, see what detectives had already done and try to do the opposite. Now, there's no guarantee if I do that, I'm going to have a different outcome. 
But at minimum, here's another angle that's been explored that either myself or the investigator after me can look at, and they'll make sure they're not doing the same work that's already been done. And a lot of the times what will happen, and we've seen this in numerous cases, when an investigator comes in and just looks at it with a fresh perspective, what ultimately helps them solve a case that didn't appear to be solvable is that while reading the facts, they'll see something that none of the other investigators did. And in some situations, that key piece of information is what unlocks the entire case. And you don't have to take my word for it. We have a recent example of it with the Gilgo Beach serial killer. Allegedly, it's it's Rex Hurman, still innocent. But in that case, and I'll make this quick, I don't want to go too off on a tangent here, but Rex Hurman wasn't someone who was discovered or put on the radar till 2022. But the reality is, is that there was a report taken in 2010 by another police officer and then looked at by a detective. And in that report, uh, Rex Hewerman was identified. His vehicle was identified. But it wasn't until a state police officer re-looked at the case from the beginning where he found this report, looked at it, decided to search the vehicle that was described in this report, which was a, a Chevy Avalanche, and that's when he found Rex. So again, no new information in the case, just a situation where an investigator started from the beginning, looking at the same information the previous detective had, but in this case, having a different outcome and potentially solving a massive investigation. All right, so let's bring it back to Lily's case. Cadaver dogs were brought in to search around the apartment complex. Divers also searched the canal right behind the apartment, something that hadn't been done previously, but unfortunately, there was no sign of Lily. After that, Holdy interviewed two of Christian's friends who claimed to have seen Lily in downtown Miami in August of 2007. The men told Holdy that they had not seen Lily and that they had lied to Lucelli because Christian asked them to. When asked why they lied, they said that Christian claimed it would make Lucelli feel better. The men also did it because Christian paid for their drugs. Holdy later told Investigation Discovery that he believes Christian had his friends lie about seeing Lily in order to keep the police and Lucelli off his trail. Of course, Christian denied telling his friends to do anything and dismissed the idea as being crazy. Now, just to make sure he wasn't getting tunnel vision, Holdley also looked into the theory that Lily went to the drug house and was killed there. But in the end, Holdley concluded that there was no evidence that conclusively tied Lily to the house on the day she disappeared. He dismissed that theory as a possibility and focused on Christian again. Based on everything he had gathered so far, Holdy believed that Lily was dead. He knew that Lily was close to her son and her mom, and she wouldn't leave unannounced. Holdy then brought Christian in for an interview. He asked why Lily would remember to take bungee cords with her, but not her shoes, phone, or her purse. Christian said that he thought Lily was going to take her life. He explained that Lily had attempted suicide before and described finding her in a closet a few weeks before her disappearance. But Christian couldn't keep his details straight. At one point, he said Lily used a tie to hang herself. Another time, he said she used a bungee cord. Holdy didn't believe either story, and he suspected Christian made up the suicide attempt to throw police off. Holdy then asked Christian to take another polygraph, and he agreed to do so. He failed again. In April of 2011, the area around Lily and Christian's apartment was searched again. Unfortunately, they didn't find anything. Right after the search, Detective Holdy retired after more than 30 years in law enforcement. At the same time, the Miami Herald ran a story on Lily's disappearance. For the article, they interviewed Christian, who said he didn't know why Lily had left. 
He suggested, quote, maybe she was going outside to chill and relax for a few minutes and she got into someone's car and things went bad from there. Christian was adamant that he had never failed any polygraphs and that no one in the apartment had harmed Lily. He said, quote, were we a bunch of messed up people on drugs at the time? Yes, but we wouldn't do anything crazy like hide somebody's body. No, we're not like that. Christian added, it burns me up that they keep coming back to us. We had nothing to do with her missing. She walked out of my apartment on her own merit. She left. In 2011, Investigation Discoveries Disappeared featured an episode on Lily's case. Many people were interviewed, including Lucelli, Janet, Christian, and Detective Hoadley. Lucelli and Janet both discussed Christian and their suspicions that he was involved in Lily's disappearance. They pointed out the various red flags like how Christian waited almost 24 hours to report Lily missing. Then, after reporting Lily missing, Christian called Lucelli in the middle of the night to tell her he made the report. At no point did he ever ask her if she had seen or heard from Lily. Now let's pause for a second here. That's very significant and I'm, that's why I wanted to make sure it was in here. You have a situation where, according to Christian, Lily leaves his apartment. He has no clue where she went. Well, there's only so many places she could be. She doesn't have that many places she can go. So you can narrow it down pretty quickly if you're actually concerned. Did she go to the house that you guys went to earlier in the day? Did she go to one of your mutual friend's house? Did she go to one of her friend's house? Or did she go to her mom's? You would think Christian, if he was actually concerned, would have called those people before even filing the missing persons report. So what I'm alluding to here is maybe Christian made a mistake. Maybe Christian knew that Lily wasn't at any of those locations with any of those people. And instead of covering his bases and calling everyone, including Lucelli, before making the report, he just made the report to cover his own ass, not realizing that it's not the best look when it comes to his possible involvement in her disappearance. There were even more red flags when Lucelli and Janet spoke to Christian about what had happened the night Lily went missing. During their conversation, Christian was nervous and energetic, and he refused to look them in the eye. Investigation Discovery asked Christian to respond to the statements Lucelli and Janet made about him. He explained that he tried to report Lily missing prior to June 2nd. He called the police at some point on June 1st to make the report, but he was told he wasn't allowed to file a report until 24 to 48 hours after the disappearance. Then, Christian changed the story and told ID, quote, Should I have filed a report that morning? Maybe. I don't know. But I wasn't thinking about that. I was more worried about where she was. I wanted to find her. Christian went on to explain that he didn't call Lucelli prior to making the report because he thought Kelly or someone else had already done so. He also went on to say that his strange behavior during his conversation with Lucelli and Janet was due to him spiraling over Lily's disappearance. Now in Holdy's interview, he revealed that he believes Lily died in the apartment the night she supposedly disappeared, although he's not exactly sure how. But he doesn't think the police have been told the truth about what happened that night. Unfortunately, there have been no major updates in Lily's case since the release of the Investigation Discovery episode. Lily has never been found, and while foul play is suspected, no one has ever been named a suspect. The Miami-Dade police are still investigating Lily's disappearance, and her loved ones remain optimistic that she will be found. Okay, so that brings me to my perspective on this investigation, and I've weighed in a lot in between the story here, so I'm not going to be redundant, but I just want to go back to a few points that I think were critical in this investigation. Now, I want to preface this by saying, as I always do, 
although the Miami-Dade police suspect that um, Lily is no longer with us, we don't know that to be certain. So as always, this case will be classified as missing as far as detective perspective is concerned. And I don't think it really matters as far as my perspective in this case, because either way, what I'm about to say still holds true. So for the sake of this analysis, let's assume that based on Holdley's investigation and what Miami-Dade has said, that Lily was deceased. We're going we're gonna to go down that path, but I want to preface it by saying that whether she was deceased or, or missing, um, what I'm about to you know, talk about here holds true either way. And the, what I want to talk about is the fact that this case wasn't investigated for, for two weeks. And that's the major problem here, okay? Again, whether she was missing or deceased, that's the critical time where the investigation has to get going right away. Interviews can be conducted. Forensic evidence from the apartment, from the surrounding area can be collected. You could do luminol tests. You can do GSR tests. You can do fingerprint analysis. You can search the canals. You can search potential suspects' vehicles, all that good stuff. And as we know, in this particular case, it appears that Christian destroyed his car days after reporting Lily missing. That's critical, right? Because we're going to assume for the sake of this again, if Christian's involved, more than likely after whatever happened, he transported Lily in that vehicle. So to avoid any type of detection, he drives to North Carolina and has the vehicle destroyed and in the process destroys any evidence. Now with Mancha being on vacation, I have a lot of issues with Mancha. I think that's pretty apparent. The way he handled the case when he came back from vacation is unacceptable and unprofessional, and it's an embarrassment to the law enforcement community. Regardless of what was going on behind the scenes, as investigators, we know that we may not be able to divulge everything, but what is forward-facing towards the family and the public, that's important. You have to be receptive. You have to be responsive. You have to make them feel like things are going on regardless of whether or not you're at a standstill behind closed doors. And not even that courtesy was extended to, to Lucelli and, and the rest of the family. They, he just basically didn't care. And as far as him being off for two weeks, I mean, listen, if the guy was on vacation, I'll give him a pass there, but someone else should have been assigned this investigation. So it's not completely at the feet of, of, of Mancha. It's also at the feet of whoever was in charge of Mancha and who basically took this case and said, ah, a missing person's case. It can wait. Throw it on Mancha's desk. He'll get to it when he gets back. No, that should have been assigned to someone else who was in the building who could have went out to that house immediately and started conducting their investigation. And maybe, as I said earlier, conducting some forensic analysis to see if there was anything that stood out immediately to him or her. But obviously, as we know, that wasn't done. And that's a major reason why I'm sitting here today talking to you guys. So what can we do from here? Well, there's a few things. We have to think about the different scenarios. First one being that Lily is at the home. She does, in fact, leave for a short period of time, like, like Christian had said. Maybe at that point, EJ and Kelly leave the apartment. After they're gone, Lily returns. A fight ensues, and Christian kills her. In that scenario, Christian's your guy. And I have to say, the evidence against him doesn't look good. You have two failed polygraphs. You have multiple witnesses saying he asked them to lie in order to throw Lucelli and the police off, although he denies it. Let's just, you know, put that out there. 
And then obviously his behavior throughout the entire situation. I'm not going to go over all that again, but you know, the delay in waiting to report her missing, etc. So there's a lot of things working against Christian here, but let's just say play devil's advocate that he's just, you know, an unlucky guy. Again, if you're watching on YouTube, I, I, I personally don't feel that's the case after reading this, this, this investigation and obviously going off the words of, of Detective Holdley, who you know had boots on the ground in this one. I'm going to go with his assessment of this. He seems like he knew what he was doing. But let's just say for a second that maybe she did leave and maybe she did decide to walk somewhere or hitch a ride. Could she have gone to a drug house or could she have been picked up by someone who we've never identified and, and been killed later? Yeah. That's a possibility as well. And there lies the problem with this case. If you were to go to court with this one right now, although there is a plethora of evidence against Christian, but as we know in court, all the defense has to do is is raise some level of reasonable doubt, and it'll be up to the jury to decide if that's enough. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know which way the jury would go. We've seen it play out both ways in multiple cases. But I think there could be a possibility that you could present all this evidence against Christian and then a defense attorney could get up there and say, however, she does have a history of using drugs and a history of mental illness. They have had fights before like this in the past where she's taken off. And it's very possible that while she was out and about, something happened. She encountered someone and they had malicious intentions and things didn't end well. And if there's no proof that she ever returned, uh, you know, i.e. another witness that saw her return, that is a real possibility. And and you could have a jury say, hey, although it doesn't look good for Christian, there's enough reasonable doubt here to say maybe he didn't do it. And you could have a jury say, listen, we're not sending a man to prison for a crime we're not sure he committed. So what do we do from here? Well, we need to find Lily, not only for the investigation, but for Lucelli and the rest of her family. She deserves to be brought home. And if she is dead, that doesn't really matter. She deserves to be reunited with her family. And if we're able to find Lily, depending on the condition of her body, it may tell us a story. It may tell us how she was killed. And depending on that information, maybe we're able to link it to Christian or someone else. Now, what's the likelihood of that? It gets less and less every year. And that's why it's so important that we're covering this case tonight. I want to make sure that as many people as possible know about Lily's case. I also want to ensure that the Miami-Dade Police Department knows that this case hasn't been forgotten and that it's not only Lucelli fighting this battle, we're right there with her. And the simplest way to show our support is by sharing Lily's story. Now, just a quick recap here. Lily Aramborough is Latina with brown hair and hazel eyes. At the time of her disappearance, she was 23 years old, 4'11", and 100 pounds. If you have any information about the disappearance of Lily Arnborough, you can contact Crime Stoppers at 1-866-471-8477. And if you'd like to support Lily's family, you can like their Facebook page, Help Find Lily Arnborough. I think Lucelli would really appreciate that. I know I would really appreciate it, so... If you pause this episode, whether you're watching it or listening to it, head on over to the Facebook page right now. Again, it's Help Find Lily Arnborough and let Lucelli know that we're here, we're thinking about her, and we're going to support her until her daughter comes back home. Now, one quick thing before I go, I know it's in the description on both the audio and video. Uh, a lot of you have been sending me case submissions through DMs 
I know I don't put it up every episode, but if you want to submit a case, please email cases at detectiveperspectivepod.com. It'll be right here on the screen if you're watching on video. Please be patient. Um, We're getting hundreds of case submissions, and not all of them are going to fit the format of this show, Um, but we're going to do our best. And Haley's on it. She's going through all of them. She's been sending me uh, new case possibilities every single day. So trust me, we're on it. But please just just bear with us because it's a lot of cases and we're not going to be able to respond to everyone. As always, I want to thank you guys for being here. I appreciate the support. And if you made it to the end of the episode and you're watching on YouTube, please leave a comment. Let me know that you made it to the end of the episode and let me know what you think about this case. If you're listening on audio, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can leave a rating, a review. It really helps the channel grow and it helps more people hear about the cases that we're covering on this show. As always, stay safe out there and I'll see you soon. Hey 